0: Hello and welcome back to the Broken Bat Breakdown Podcast. My name is James McCool. As always, uh, last week we broke down the Angels rotation. We talked about Shohei Otane. We talked about uh, some of the other guys that have a lot of upside on that team. We talked about Alex Meyer. We talked about how Parker Bridwell is going to suck. And this week we're going to move forward with alphabetical order into the Houston Astros. For those that didn't listen last week, what we're trying to do here is we are going into each team's stats from last year and over their career. We are comparing the league averages and their baseline numbers from last year, so we can try to find if there's any regression towards the mean or any normalization towards the mean. We're also going to be looking at career stats and uh, some career trends for guys moving forward. So what their fly ball percentages looked like, what their hard hit percentages looked like, what direction are these things going in, and are there going to be some somebody who we want to buy or somebody who we want to avoid moving into the season. From DFS perspective, we are looking for guys that we want to utilize when others are off of them and attack when others are on them. So that's basically the premise of this podcast. We're going to move forward, get a little bit analytical, get a little bit uh, some intuition going into this kind of stuff. Uh, But without further ado, let's get into the Houston Astros, the reigning World Series champs. They are coming off of a fantastic series, fantastic year. Uh, this entire pitching staff is just stacked. We have guys like Brad Peacock, uh, new addition of Justin Verlander towards the end of last season. We have Lance McCullers. We have Garrett Cole, who was just traded to this team. And there's a lot of discussion about how that will affect the rotation, who's in, who's out. Uh, we're going to go through things and try to figure out who the odd man out is going to be out of this now basically seven-man rotation and uh, give some thoughts on them moving forward into the year and see if there's anybody who we can maybe catch off guard from the public and uh, maybe have a little bit of a different opinion on. So first, let's talk about the shiny new toy, the new addition to the Houston Astros rotation, Garrett Cole. The notes that I have listed on Garrett Cole from my initial analysis of him, the home run per fly ball numbers skyrocketed over the career averages and eclipsed even league averages. We're expecting a little bit of normalization there. The hard percentage career trend is not looking great, but the soft career percentage is looking really, really awesome, which is kind of a weird thing. Generally, when we see hard percentages jump, we see soft percentages start to dip. But in this case, hard percentages are going up and medium percentages are going down. So that kind of tells me that the hard percentages do have a little bit of uh, normalization towards what his average is, which over his career is 29%. Last year was 31%. Um, And I think those median percentages are going to go up a bit. It's kind of a weird thing for them both to be going in the wrong direction at once. Uh the Sierra his Sierra and ERA are both over his career averages by quite a bit. Uh his ERA last year was a four point two six, his average is a three point five, his Sierra was a three point nine seven, and his career average is three point six. So Sierra not quite as large of a jump as the ERA, but both pretty significant jumps uh when we are considering somebody who's considered to be an ace. Uh I would expect the Sierra to drop back down a little bit in the in that ERA to normalized quite a bit. Uh, I could see him having a really, really nice ERA going in this next season, but ERA doesn't necessarily matter all that much anyway. It's really the advanced stats that we care about. The majority of his of his issues were caused by the home run numbers. So over his career, his home run per nine in 2013 through 2016 was 0.54, 0.72, 0.48, 0.54. And then last year in 2017, he had a 1.37 home run per nine, which is a lot. I mean, that's a huge, huge jump. So when we're looking at this, when his career numbers are 0.77 um, with two years of 0.54 below 0.6, and then we have 1.37, there's two different things we can consider there. We can say, oh, well, it was just the airball revolution, and his numbers are going to be much higher than they were throughout his career originally. Or you can go through kind of like the conspiracy route of saying that the league had that juiced balls epidemic and they were trying to make things more exciting. So – Either way, I do think that it's going to jump. I think that his home run per nine is going to settle somewhere a little bit higher because there are, there are hitters and that have said that there is a new revolution going through the league, and it was a big topic last year of what was called the airball revolution where hitters were focusing more on launch angle and more on getting underneath the ball and trying to hit fly balls and trying to get it into the outfield. So if more people are doing that, then even if the juice ball goes away, then we're still going to see an increase in home run per fly ball and home run per nine, period. Because if all the hitters in the league are trying to hit air balls now, then the ball is going to be going farther. There's going to be more outs, but there's also going to be more home runs. And we can see that with a lot of different guys. I mean, we saw Kershaw have uh, career-worst numbers in home run numbers. We saw uh, Chris Sale get taken yard significantly more often. We saw Justin Verlander, who we'll get to on this podcast, uh, really, really get destroyed by the long ball. And I think that, yes, part of it was the juice balls. We know that the seams were a little bit smaller, so the ball is flying farther. Breaking balls weren't happening as often. But I also think that this air ball revolution is a real thing. And I, I don't expect home run numbers to drop significantly across the league Um, it was a 1.41 league average last year for home run per nine I I would think that it's still somewhere around a 1.2 or 1.25 that home run per fly ball number is probably going to drop back down to about 11 and a half 12 percent if they take away the juice balls but I do think there will be more home runs than we have seen in the past like five years Um, not more in 2017 but I, I think that that trend is going to continue uh the splits he leans towards left-handed hitters weakness uh the home run numbers and power are good there's there's still upside on both ends i wouldn't necessarily consider this guy somebody that we have to worry about with platoons i know there's a lot of worry around Garrett Cole I, i've seen some people talking about his issues to left-handers but when we look at the numbers uh the on-base percentage to lefties .34 to righties .301 uh woba to lefties .348 to righties .296 uh the the issue really lies in the home run numbers where it's 1.37 home run per 9 to lefties and 0.87 to righties I, with this switch moving away from PNC Park for Pittsburgh You can expect a little bit more home run issues. I I think that those are probably still going to be relevant, but the upside is just so significant on both sides of the plate for this guy. I'm really, really excited for him to be with this team and be pitching a little bit more aggressively. I, I do think that his home run or his K per nine is going to probably exceed his 2017 numbers. I think that we could maybe even see low nines here if he can be a little bit more aggressive with a lead. So Garrett Cole, what we can expect here... His hard percentage has been elevating every single year that he's been in the league. Uh, 2013 through 2017, 24%, 29%, 29.5, 30.1, 31.3. Uh, that is his career trend for hard hit percentage. I, I don't know that it's going to continue to go up. It's going to plateau eventually. I don't think that he's going to be somebody who's going to be above the league average in hard hit percentage, but it is kind of worrying to see that. The thing that's encouraging is a soft percentage is going up as well, starting at 17.5, then 17.2, 20% even, 21.3 and then 23.9. So, I think that w- what we really really need to look at here is what his ground ball and fly ball percentages are. His ground ball percentage has been going down while his fly ball percentage has been going not consistently, but going up. Last year they plateaued at 45% ground ball rate and a 33% fly or ground ball rate and a 33% fly ball rate. So if we put all of that together, he's getting soft contact, but he's allowing more hard contact and more fly balls. And so the home run proneness of Garrett Cole that has been broadcasted, I'm going to buy into it. I really do think that he's going to have a bit of a home run problem. I think that he's going to be somewhere around uh, one, maybe 1.1 home run per nine. I think that he's going to have home run per fly ball issues, but I do think the upside is there. So when we are talking about what to do with Garrett Cole, if we have a team that has a lot of fly ball potential and has a lot of power, I think that I'm going to avoid him. But against teams that do not get fly balls as much, against teams that maybe are uh, a good team but make contact but not hard contact, I I will roll out Garrett Cole with confidence. But I am a little bit tentative moving forward with Garrett Cole. Next up, we'll talk about Brad Peacock. So Brad Peacock was a really, really popular DFS play for a while because he was super-duper cheap. And then even when he wasn't cheap, his 10.88K per nine and 3.71 walk per nine were both fantastic numbers. Um, His K per walk was above league average at 2.93, and he wasn't giving up any home runs, only a 0.73 home run per nine and an 8.8 home run per fly ball rate. Um, As you know, both of those numbers are severely low, really, really low. Over his career, 2011 was a zero home run per nine. But we got to remember that Brad Peacock doesn't have like a super long career as a starter. So these numbers are kind of weird. But uh, zero, 1.62, 1.37, zero, 1.71, and then last year, a 0.68. So for his career, his home run per nine is a 1.16. Now, there's kind of a difference between how a starter acts as a pitcher and how a bullpen arm acts as a pitcher. So that difference here is going to kind of come to effect. I'm not exactly sure how differently he pitched as a starter, but I know that you have to be a little bit more conservative, and I I, I don't know – if that led to what his huge drop in home run per nine was. I am more inclined to believe that he was just well below average in variance, that that 8.8% fly home run per fly ball rate was really, really helping out his home run per nine. Because if you were to uh, push that up to the 14.44% that was the league average for home run per fly ball, he would probably be somewhere around a one5 home run per nine, which sounds more correct in my opinion. So I would more expect him to have a league average home run per fly ball rate, which is really going to hurt his DFS appeal, uh, but not necessarily a season-long appeal, because I do think the K per nine is still going to stay high, although it was a career best number for him. Speaking of career best numbers, the first note that I have on him was that it was a straight up career year for him. He had the best marks of his career by a long shot in K per nine, K per walk, left on base percentage, FIP, XFIP, Sierra, ground ball per fly ball rate, home run per fly ball rate, and hard hit percentage. Everything was the best that he's ever had in his career. Uh, Hard hit percentage was a 26.5. His FIP, was only a 7, or his FIP was only a 3.1. His xFIP 3.73. His ERA was sitting really, really low at a 3. It, th- this was a very, very good pitcher. I do think that the home run regression is going to come his come back and bite him. I think that it's going to be really, really bad this year, even without the juice balls because of the air ball revolution that we've been talking about. But I do think that a lot of these numbers are legit, and a lot of the advanced stats back it up. The only thing that I think could drop a relatively significant amount is his K per nine. Uh, He never had anything above an 8.3, and that was back in 2013, uh, and this year almost 11, 10.98, and that's a significant jump off of his career average of an 8.92. Now, do I think that he can still be a very above-average strikeout pitcher? Yeah, definitely. But I think there were a lot of things that led to him having that egregious K-9, um, including some swinging strike rates and maybe a couple of nice calls going his way. I, I just don't think that that's going to continue. I do expect him to be a low-9s K-9 guy. Uh, if he has a really, really good year, I think maybe a high-9s. But I don't think that we're going to see him be an 11-K-9 guy again. With that being said, his walk-per-nine numbers have been good and lowering throughout his career, starting with a 4.5 in 2011, and now in 2017, a 2.82 K per walk with a 3.89 walk-per-nine. So if that number continues to go down, say that he's a 9.2 K per nine guy and a 3.5 walk-per-nine guy, that's really nice. I mean, that's still going to be above league average for a K per walk. But then when you add in the home run regression, it kind of worries me that those strikeouts might not be enough to keep him super relevant in DFS. And I do think that he's going to be priced way up to start the season because he was so popular and because he he did have those strikeout numbers. So it's hard to believe that he continues last year's dominance with well over league average and career best marks. But the advanced stats agree that he's going to be good. Uh, When we look at his Sierra numbers, it's been 6.54, 4.16, 4.45, 5.23, 4.45, and then 3.76 last year. So um, regression is coming in the home run department, but he's still going to be a really, really high upside guy. Uh, His ground ball numbers have gotten much, much better as his career has gone forward, starting with 31% in 2011 and now 43% last year. Uh, Career best mark that is on a good career trend. The one that I am not going to buy, however, is going to be his uh, soft percentage contact. Uh, It was a 25% last year, 10% in 2016, 16% in 2014. So I I do think that we're going to drop down a little bit on soft contact. All of this, of course, being a longhand way to say that the home run numbers are probably going to hurt Brad Peacock really badly. I think he'll be above league average in home run numbers and home run per fly ball, but the upside is still going to be there. So I I think that we're looking at something more along the lines of a Trevor Bauer type situation where the home run ball is a significant issue, but the ke upside is still there. Alrighty, let's chat about Charlie Morton, who is probably going to be the guy that they move away from with the addition of Garrett Cole. Uh, we, we can assume that the rotation is going to look something like this. Uh, Garrett Cole, Lance McCullers, Justin Verlander, Dallas Kitchell, and one of Charlie Morton or just Joe Musgrove. The only reason why I think that it might be Joe Musgrove over Charlie Morton is because Joe Musgrove has a little bit better of a career arc going considering he's so young, and Charlie Morton is getting a little bit older and starting to show a few cracks in his game. Um, With that being said, Charlie Morton still looks really, really good, but I think that if they are going to move forward – They might want to move Charlie Morton into the bullpen to utilize his caper nine, which has looked great over the last two seasons and try to keep uh, the innings off of his arm so they can continue using him for the next two or three years. Uh, But that's just conjecture. I, I mean, that's just an assumption of uh what I do think is going to happen. Um, I'm not an analytics champion. Like, I, I don't work for the MLB, so I don't know what their strategy is going to be in this situation. But uh, if I were to choose one of them, I would probably go with the upside of Joe Musgrove and the safety and experience of Charlie Morton. In uh, in a situation where Charlie Morton goes into the bullpen and can try to take care of games in that way rather than putting the um, pressure on Joe Musgrove to perform so young in his career. So the notes that I have on Charlie Morton are as follows. He's apparently an ageless wonder, but you have to, start to think that he starts slowing down eventually. Uh, His K per nine numbers are way up over the last two years over his career average, but the repetition of that over 2016 and 2017 makes me think that it does continue to be an above average K per nine. I have it assumed at about a high eights or a low nines K per nine, not the 10 that he had last year, but I do think that it continues to be well above average. Um, The ground ball per fly ball rate actually has a bit of normalization towards career averages, even though it was still above the league average. So when we look at that, Um, Over his career, he started in 2008 with a 1.6, It jumped up to a 3.1 in 2011, continued moving forward, averaged out at about a 2.5 between 2012 and 2015, and then in 2016 had a 3.86. In 2017, only a 1.79 ground ball to fly ball. So I don't think that he's going to be regressing back to – to his 2008, 2009, 2010 numbers in that category. I do think that it's somewhere in between. His career average in that department is about a 2.25, and I feel comfortable having that be about his projection. He, I think that he'll be somewhere between a 2 and a 2.25, not his glory day numbers, kind of, between 2012 and 2014, but I do think that it's going to be above league average. Um, league average for ground ball fly ball is about a 1.31, uh, which is really, really bad, so it's not hard to be much better than that, but I do think that he's going to be about uh, about a full point above league average there. Uh, the only other thing that I have on him here is that he's much better against left-handed hitters than he is against righties in 80 innings pitch against lefties and 84 against righties average 1.81 to 2.67 respectively slugging 0.311 to 0.439 respectively k per nine 11.6 to 8.5 respectively uh the home run numbers were about the same but the upside is just so significantly higher against lefties than it is against righties um that i do think that there's going to be a bit of a platoon issue for righties so if he faces a very right hand heavy team he might struggle a little bit more than if he had that mix but with that being said, the numbers are still pretty decent against righties. I mean, an 8.5 K per nine against righties and a .34 OBP against righties is not bad. Um, only a .8 .5, eh, 8, 5 7 home run per nine against righties. Uh, the BABIP numbers are super high against righties too, at a .329. So, um, he might even have a little bit of regression coming for him against righties going into this year. Uh, with all that being said. Charlie Morton is somebody who I'm a little bit worried about because his numbers are still so good after such a long career, and I don't think that they can continue going, um, especially in departments such as uh, his BABIP numbers. They started low, 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 and they, they've kind of... They've normalized somewhere around 0.3. His career average is a 0.31. He was below that last year. I think that it comes back up. Uh, Left on base percentage has consistently gotten better. His ERA has consistently gotten better. His Sierra has consistently gotten better. Like how long can this guy go? Um, If he is cheap, then I think that you pick him up. I think that you go on the idea that maybe he can continue being a champion. Maybe he can continue to hold that low 20s fly ball rate. He can continue to hold that home run for fly ball rate that's a little bit below league average, that he still has a high K per nine. If he is expensive, if he starts getting chalked up a lot, I, I worry that somebody going into what would be his 11th season has got to start slowing down here pretty soon especially if he's going to be a starter, I don't think that he can continue to put up these numbers. But the advanced stats say that he he does, so I'm kind of torn on this one. Um, I I like him more as a bullpen arm, and that's why I'm saying that I hope that they bring Garrett Cole and put Charlie Morton into the bullpen, have Joe Musgrove up front, and maybe use Morton as a long reliever or something like that. Uh, But he, as a pitcher, still looks really, really good. Uh, his hard percentage numbers are looking good. They're right in line with career average. Medium, right in line. Soft percentage, a little bit above. Um, his home run fly ball is just about in line. Everything looks good and looks solid and looks like he's going to continue to be a good year. If you want to think that he reduces in K per nine a little bit and has a little bit of regression in home run per nine, that's fine. I totally agree with that. But overall, I think that Charlie Morton is going to be a really, really good pitcher for this team, no matter what role they have him in. On to Colin McHugh, who I have a couple notes on. Um, he looks to be a solid pitcher, but there are some concerns. So the home run for fly ball rate was well below, below the league average and well below his career numbers, and it was matched with huge fly ball numbers. So when we look at that, his home run per fly ball rate was only 8.6, which is almost six points below the league average. Match that with a 45% fly ball rate and only a 32% ground ball rate. And we have some serious, serious concerns moving into this next year. Now, if that fly ball rate continues to be above 40% and he can't induce ground balls, he is going to give up like 2.1 home run per nine next year. He only had a 0.99 home run per nine this year, but that was, like I said, 6% below average in home run per fly ball rate. If we assume that he's going to be at league average average, at least so adding in those next six percent that puts them in about a 1.8 home run per nine, which is just gross. Um, and if you assume that it's going to jump past it like most things do when when we think of regression we don't think that it's just going to regress at the mean We think that it's going to regress uh, to what's basically odd ratio 20% of league average or 20% off league average one way or the other. If he is 20% over league average next year, then he's going to have a two plus home run per nine, and that just sucks, man. Like, uh, he is a high upside pitcher. He has good K per nine numbers, he has good walk numbers, but those home run not numbers just scare the hell out of me. Um And a .73 ground ball fly ball rate is unheard of. I mean, he's not really somebody who has ever been a really big ground ball guy. He's not somebody who's ever been good with fly balls either. Uh, through his career, starting in 2012, 39.1% fly ball rate, then 32, 33.7, 34.6, 38.1, and then 45%. So do I think that it's going to drop from 45%? Sure, Absolutely. I don't think he's going to continue to be that bad, but I do think that he's going to be somewhere around 39 to 41 percent, which if we bring in the regression of the home run to fly ball numbers uh, in this air ball kind of era that we're in right now, I think that it's going to be really, really bad for him. That matched with his hard percentage, which has always been below league average, uh, with the exception of his 2012 year. Um, I just, man, it it worries me so much to look at him going into this season and knowing that those numbers are going to come back. I don't think that I can suggest to anyone to go after him, even if the price is low. I would much, much rather attack him with power teams um, and take those risks, especially in DFS and GPPs. I think that I'm going to be attacking Colin McHugh a lot moving forward. Uh, other things that I wrote down, the Sierra career trend looks really, really bad. Um, he has stayed above four for the majority of his, of his career starting in 2012 with a 4.47, then 4.8, 3.14, which was obviously a career year. If you look at all of his 2014 numbers, um, that was probably the best year that he's ever going to have if he continues his career trends as we see them. And then in 2015, it jumps all the way back up to a 3.9, and then a 4.02, and then a 4.3, and it just keeps going up. Um, This is somebody that... If you don't listen to another word that I say in this podcast, I'm avoiding him completely in season long and in DFS. Uh, Until he shows me that he really can keep the ball on the ground, that he really can mitigate those home run concerns that I have for him right now, Um, I'm not touching him. His ERA last year was 3.55, which is .75 away from his Sierra. That shows me that he has some regression in ERA as well. Um, His BABIP was actually above league average, So all of this just says home runs everywhere. Um, He gets hit hard on both sides of the plate when we talk about his splits, but they're they're mostly identical either way. So I'm not worried about a platoon split here. I'm just going to be attacking him left and right with any team that I think has a potential to send him yard, Um, especially teams like the Brewers. Now, that was a huge thing last year. People would take any pitcher against Brewers because of their home run concerns, but they wouldn't consider that that team hit a lot of home runs, too. Uh, it was a GPP play for people to take pitchers against them, and for me, I was using the Brewers a lot last year, and it made me quite a bit of money attacking these kind of low-par pitchers, these lower-tier pitchers that people would just roll out there because they were trying to get those cheap cheap strikeouts. Um, Colin McHugh against a team like the Brewers, I, I'm going to be utilizing that matchup to my leverage a lot next season. Next up, we're going to be talking about Dallas Kitchell who was somebody who was really, really good last year when he was healthy, but then after he kind of went down with an injury, um, he showed showed some cracks. Uh, Not necessarily, like, very, very bad. He was still a good pitcher, but for DFS purposes, he showed a couple cracks. Um, His K per 9 went down, his walk per 9 went up. He did have a home run problem last year on the fly balls that he allowed, but we'll get to that in a second. Um moving forward, I do think that he's going to have another good year. I, I don't expect him to have uh, a year like the second half last year. I expect him to be more like the first, which is a very good pitcher with decent K upside, just about league average, um, who does not incite fly balls ever, has a huge ground ball rate, um, and his home run number should drop down a little bit. So let's talk about the notes that I have on it. On the surface, the home run fly ball numbers look egregious, but his fly ball rate is so low that it doesn't really matter. Uh, His K per walk numbers are the lowest since 2013, with his walk per 9 trending upwards, although I wouldn't worry too much about the numbers hitting league average. Um, Would expect the CRA and ERA numbers to normalize to around 3, give or take a 10th based on career trends and league differentials. He had career best marks in an already stellar ground ball to fly ball number, um, and the home run numbers were a little bit high. So I'm expecting some regression on ground ball to fly ball towards uh, the mean, but his home run numbers should also regress, meaning that it's mostly a wash in that situation. Uh, and he has noticeable splits with worse numbers to righties. So we'll talk about all that. We'll start with the homerun fly ball numbers. So over his career, he averages uh, a 15.3% homerun fly ball rate, with his best mark coming in 2014 of a 9.6% fly ball rate, and his worst mark coming last year with a 21.1% homerun fly ball rate. Now, regularly, When we talk about a home run for fly ball rate, uh, we're talking about if they are above league average, we want to attack them. If they're below, then we want to leave them alone. So, regularly, Dallas Kitchell would be somebody that we want to attack. But the thing about him is that he only has a 17% fly ball rate last year and a league average of 21%, which is way below league average league average is 35.68 percent for fly ball rates and he had a 17.7 percent His league average is 20, or his career average is a 21.8 percent so yes his home run for fly ball numbers were large and they're generally above league average uh, league average in 2016 was just above 10 percent um and it's been around 10 percent for the last uh eight or nine years so he's been above average in home run for fly ball rate in almost every single year besides 2014. But it doesn't matter, because he doesn't give up fly balls hardly ever, so he doesn't give up that many home runs as is. We can see that with his home run per nine nine numbers, whereas last year they were .93, 1.07 the year before, in 2015 a .66, 2014 a .5, and 1.17 in 2013. All of those average out to a .89, which is pretty good, I, I mean... I'm not going to shy away from using a pitcher because he has a 1.1 home run per nine, which is what I would expect it to be um, for any upper-tier pitcher. His 7.72K per nine and his 2.9 walk per nine gave him one of his worst K per nine years in recent history. Um, Since 2013, in fact, this was a 2.66K per walk year for him, so I do expect that to come back to a more of a 3-ish. 2016, he was a 3 K per 9. He was 3.04 in 2014, with a career year of 4.24 in 2015. Um, I don't expect the K per 9 numbers to go up, but I do expect the the walk per 9 numbers to go up a little bit. So that leads me to think that hitters are not swinging at this low pitch that he does anymore because the way that he incites these ground balls, the way that he goes about having such a low fly ball rate, is by working almost exclusively in the lower quadrants of the paint. So he will throw to low and outside, low middle, low inside. He'll work a lot on keeping that ball on the ground and away from the upper quadrants where hitters can really grip it and rip it. Um, Guys like Cody Bellinger, for example, Their swing plane is going to grab that ball out of the lower quadrant and send it into the next galaxy. But there's a lot of guys that are taught to keep their hand below the bat when they swing for their plane. Um, and you can't really do that very well when the ball is that low. So that's why his fly ball numbers are so low, but I also think that's why his walk numbers are going up, because hitters are swinging less and less at those low quadrant pitches and making it harder and harder for him to really get those ground balls inside it. Um, So with those things in mind, I do think that the walk per nine are going to go up, but I also think the K per nine are going to go up a little bit because guys won't be swinging as much at those lower quadrant pitches. So maybe he's going to have a low 8K per nine this year. I could absolutely see it happening with the way that guys are trying to attack the ball at this point. Uh, We can move on to the ERA and Sierra numbers to normalize to around three. So that note, if we look at his Sierra numbers through the years, um, he had a, a good year, a 3.61 Sierra and a 2.9 ERA. Now, obviously, his ERA was much higher than his, or much better than his Sierra. We have 0.71 run difference between the two, showing some regression, and we can see that in his BABIP, and we can see that in his infield fly ball rates. Um, the BABIP was a 0.256. We definitely expect that to jump back up to somewhere around 2.0 or 0.28, 0.285. Um, last in 2016, he was a 0.304 Babbitt in 2015, 0.269. So, um, this is the best, well, worst year. If you're considering Babbitt as a luck stat, uh, for him in the Babbitt category, I do expect that to rise and therefore I expect his ERA to rise. But with both of those things being said, I do think the Sierra drops a bit and I think the ERA meets with it. So I'm looking at Dallas Kitchell moving into this year As somebody who is going to have less of a home run problem, more of a walk problem, but a better year overall. I do expect him to have somewhere around an 8-ish K per 9, a low 3-ish walk per 9, regulated Babbick numbers that are going to rise up and hold him a little bit more accountable on those ground balls. But he's going to be something more like the 2016 or 2015 Kitchell, in my opinion, with an elevated walk rate. What does this mean for season-long in DFS? Well... Uh, if people are still thinking of Dallas Kitchell as the second half Dallas Kitchell that he was last year, then they're not going to want to touch him, but he's still a really, really safe source of um, innings as long as he doesn't get hurt, obviously, but I never work that into any projection because it's it's kind of an iffy thing. Uh, he has decent K-9 per nine numbers. He's not going to kill you with a home run ball, and he incites ground balls a lot, so he gets easy outs. Uh, I would buy high on Dallas schedule coming into this year, coming off of some pretty bad numbers from last year. Um, In DFS, I really, really hope that he's priced lower than he was last year because I'd like to utilize him. But when he gets up into that higher price range, the issue is that his upside isn't really that significant unless he pitches deep into a game. He's not going to be getting you a lot, a lot of strikeouts. He's not going to be getting you um, those really high upside metrics that you need. He's going to be getting you a lot of ground outs. He's going to be getting you a lot of double plays, and that's great. But if his price is up in the upper tier, I think that I'll stay away from him. Not attack him, but just stay away because I don't think the upside is going to be there this year. But all of that... In mind, and all of that being said, uh, he is a fantastic pitcher. I think that he's still going to be an upper-tier pitcher, um, not necessarily like an aces-ace, but an upper-tier pitcher, and I really like him moving forward for this team to have a better year than he had last year. Let's talk about Joe Musgrove a little bit because he does have some numbers that looked really, really bad last year, but I definitely expect him to get a little bit better, and since I do think that they're going to try to use him in a more prominent role over Charlie Morton, uh, we, we should try to look at where he can improve and what he did well last year. So my notes on him. We're expecting normalization on both ERA towards the Sierra and home run per fly ball rate towards his career and league averages. Uh, he had a really high BABIP. He made good progress in 2017 in both hard percentage and soft percentage trends, and hopefully it continues forward. Um, he's had consistent metrics in, in K-9, his walk rate, and his whip areas, and I expect the same or improved in 2018. Uh, and His splits have strengths and weaknesses spread out, Uh, good things in some areas, bad things in others. And I don't really see um, a platoon issue for him against lefties or righties. So dropping into that, his ERA minus Sierra, he had a 6.12 ERA and a 4.45 Sierra, which is gross. Um, Really, really bad. So if we look at his career numbers, though uh he he had issues he's always been a guy who's been around a 4.0 era and a 4.0 sierra in the limited time that he's had of course because he is really young he doesn't have a lot of years under his belt and that's why it's kind of hard to project him forward but his era should drop down significantly his era should drop down to where he's been in his career uh if we're expecting both of those things to improve improve significantly where are they going to improve well He had a 1.85 home run per nine last year and an 18.6 home run per fly ball rate last year. Matching those up with his fly ball rate of 33% and his ground ball rate of 44.9%. And we can see he definitely has some room to improve there. Uh, His BABIP was also high. So his BABIP over his career has looked something like a .289-ish. Last year it was a .338. So I, I think that he can improve in all areas of his game. Now, will he? I don't know. His caper 9 has moved up slightly starting at a seven point eight nine or 7.98 up to an 8.07 and 7.73 last year. So he's hovering right around 8. I think where he can most improve is his stuff. And if he doesn't have it, then he doesn't have it. And we're always going to have somebody who has... This good potential who can uh, mitigate fly ball concerns, who is not going to give up an egregious amount of home runs, even though he has been over uh, league average for the last two years. I think those numbers can come down. It all just comes down to him getting swinging strikes. Um, if he doesn't have the stuff, then I don't know that he's ever going to really, really be a good pitcher. But the foundation is there. Um, the Sierra is there. The the FIP is there. Like. I like his k per walk numbers. They're significantly higher than league average. Uh, He is sitting at about a 3.5, league average 2.65. So I like the numbers. I want to like Musgrove a lot, but we really need to see them dedicate to him and develop him and make sure that the pitching staff is looking at what he is doing wrong to give up these home runs. Because it's not like there's a lot of chances for guys to get home runs off of him. You know, um, a a 33% fly ball rate is just about league average, a little bit below. League average is 35.68. But his home run per nine is above league average, 1.41. He was sitting at a 1.85 last year. Uh, His home run for fly ball is above, 18.6. League average is 14.44. So what is he doing to give up these home runs on these fly balls if he's not over league average on fly ball rates? Um, There's got to be something that he's doing wrong. If it's control and he is sitting too high in the quadrants, maybe he's trying to go a little bit lower and ending up in the middle. Maybe he's trying to sit um, outside left or outside right, uh, and he's ending up in the top left or right quadrant and inside the box. Like maybe it's a control issue. Maybe it's a velocity issue. Maybe it's uh, not getting enough break on his breaking balls. I don't know. Um, I'm not really a big film watcher. I just try to interpret the numbers But hopefully the pitching staff can work with him and get that figured out because he does have a solid foundation for being a good pitcher. He doesn't have bad splits. He has a good K per nine. He doesn't give up a lot of walks. He doesn't give up a lot of uh, fly balls. His ground ball rate is acceptable. His soft rates are above league average, sitting at 20%. League average is 18.6. I think at worst, he is a league average pitcher next year. At worst, he's nothing special. But the foundation is there for him to be something special. And for his sake, obviously, I always want people to succeed. I always want these athletes to succeed in their sport. And for the Houston Astros' sake, I do hope that he can break out into that next level and really figure out how to mitigate the long ball, because that's going to be the only thing that can stop him from being at least a league average pitcher to talk about one of the big dogs on this rotation with justin verlander now justin verlander was uh obviously a detroit tiger for most most of last season um and has been a detroit tiger for a long time um every single year since his coming into the league in 2005 uh and he comes over to the astros and picks a world series ring and i'm happy for him it's awesome it's great he married kate upton went to paris whatever whatever they did Um, and that's all fine and dandy, but there are some things that I'm very, very worried about with Justin Verlander and his movement forward as a starting pitcher and as a rotation pitcher and as an ace. So the notes, the main note that I have on Justin Verlander, I don't think there's anything wrong with his career arc. Um, the cracks are starting the show. He's obviously getting older. The, the main thing is a home run issue. So over the course of his career, he's had a 0.8 ish home run per nine. right? Between 2005 and 2015, he only had one year where he was over a 1.0 home run per nine. In 2016 and 2017, he was a 1.19 and a 1.18. That's concerning. That's a large jump. It's almost 0.2 up from his career average, which is a 0.86. And there are more things behind it than just a home run per nine rate. His only one fly ball rate is also starting to balloon. It started at a 7.7 in 2005, was good, was only above a 10 once, and that was in 2006. And then it was 10.9 and 11.5 in 2016 and 2015. We also see his hard hit percentage numbers starting to jump, 28.9 and 34 in 2016 and 2017 respectively, with a career average of about 27. The soft percentage is starting to drop. Uh, It's a 17.5 right now, which is below average. Uh, His infield per fly ball rate is dropping. His home run per fly ball rate is going up. His fly ball rate is going up. Um, with a, with an average of about 40.9, but that's because of the last three seasons where, or last four seasons where he has been above a 40% fly ball rate, his ground ball rate is plummeting, uh, started in 46% in 2005. Now a 33.5% ground ball rate, 10 percentage points below league average and five percentage points below his career average. All of this, obviously very, very bad, um, I don't really need to break it down too much farther than he's on the decline of his career. This is an ace that is still going to maybe have one year left in him, but it's probably going to be ugly. I would not expect the second half, Justin Verlander, to show up at all next season. Maybe in the middle of the season for a little while, say in, ah, man, I don't even know, maybe in July he shows up with a high K per nine. But the home run numbers are going to continue to inflate. I would assume something more, at least a 1.25 home run per nine this year. Um, I would expect his home run per fly ball rate to be above league average next year as it has been climbing through. Uh, Soft percentage has been dropping. I expect it to continue to be below league average. This is somebody that I'm avoiding completely. Uh, and that kind of pains me to say it because he's been such an influential player in the league for the last decade. Um, but I'm completely off Justin Berliner moving forward. I'm going to attack him as much as I possibly can, especially because people are going to be on him off of a World Series win where he was very, very good. I just think he's going to be bad. I, I I cannot see. And the advanced stats agree with me. Um, the advanced stats definitely agree. His FIP, his Sierra, uh, his ex-FIP, all over four well, his FIP was a 3.8. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. But his X fip and Sierra are both over four. I think that continues to go up. It's just not a good case for Justin Verlander. We know how careers end up uh, with the velocity dropping and the control dropping and the airball revolution. It just looks really bad. So um, if you want to t- take flyer on him, if you can get him late in late rounds, if he is cheap, his K upside is still going to be there. But the home run ball is going to be very bad. Um, and, and I just don't think that he's going to have it moving forward. The final piece of the Astros rotation is Lance McCullers. He is their ace. He's their number one. Uh, There is some thoughts that maybe he gets pushed a little bit by Garrett Cole. Um, Justin Verlander may be the ace, the number one, but I would really hope not based off of my um, assumptions on him moving forward. But it's really between Garrett Cole and Lance McCullers on who's going to be the number one. It doesn't matter it really doesn't matter. There's been like some arguments on Twitter about Lance McCullers wanting a trade because they picked up Garrett Cole, which is just freaking silly. Like, ego doesn't take that large an effect, especially for pitchers in the MLB, because it's not like he's going to be losing minutes to a new point guard. You know, like, it's not like he's not going to be getting the same amount of playing time. If he stays healthy, he's still going to pitch upwards of 200 innings. Like, it's it's a silly argument that Lance McCullers would want to trade off of the World Series champion Astros on a stacked team. Just because Garrett Cole got picked up, that's really silly. I just needed to say that, um, but now we can move forward to the analysis. So, um, Lance McCullers, I have a couple a couple notes here on him. The career trends are all really promising for McCullers, even with rising home run to fly ball rates. Uh, the caper walk is getting consistently better and is already well above league average. If the ground ball numbers continue to be fifty five percent or more, the sky is the limit. And he is twice as bad against right-handed hitters as he is against left-handed hitters. So there are some platoon concerns here. If we go over the numbers for left versus right, uh, the average is about the same, 0.248 to 0.257 to lefties and righties, um, respectively. The slugging percentage is not too bad, 0.35 against lefties and 0.398 against righties. But the home run per nine is a 0.7 one against righties and a point three nine nine against lefties. The walk per nine is a point is a 4.44 versus a 3.08 for righties versus lefties. The whip numbers are worse. BABIP is better. Uh, it just doesn't look as good for righties, but I will say that the numbers still look good on both sides for ground ball rates, for home run rates, um, for most numbers in general. So, um, If you wanted to try to find a reason to fade McCullers in DFS for any reason, I would probably have a little bit of pause against heavy right-handed teams, but not a lot. He's still a very, very good pitcher against both sides of the plate, and he still gets great ground ball percentages. So um, I just needed to mention that he is worse against righties by a pretty significant amount. So when we talk about ERA and Sierra, uh, his ERA minus Sierra... He had a 4.25 ERA last year at 3.41 Sierra, meaning that we have a lot of normalization of the mean coming. Now, where is that normalization coming from? I would assume that it's probably coming from his BABIP. Um, his BABIP in 2016 was just egregious, a .383. That's almost unheard of. Um, league average is .299. So a .33 last year is better, but it's still... F- pretty far above where it needs to be. And I would expect him to get a little bit more lean in variance towards ground balls towards uh, some line drives that could turn into outs. Uh, he got pretty unlucky in the batted ball stats last year. And I think that comes back around. One of the reasons why I think that is because his fly ball rates are so, so good, and his ground ball rates are so, so good. And both trends are going in the correct directions. Um, in 2015, he started a 31% fly ball rate. It went down to a 21 in 2016, and a 195 in 2017. We can expect it to normalize somewhere in the low 20s, something like 21%, 22%. And his home run fly ball rate is only a 12%. Now... When we talked about Dallas Kitchell, we talked about the same thing. We talked about how his home run fly ball rates are going to be above league average, but that's okay because his fly ball rates are so far below league average. We're going to be able to say the same thing about Lance McCullers here. His home run per nine was a .61 last year, and it's never been above a one in his career. He's always been below average, and I completely expect that to continue, considering how good his ground ball per fly ball rate is, which is a 3.14, which is fantastic. It's over double, almost triple the league average. Um, His ERA ballooned last year. His Sierra stayed just about the same and actually went down below his other two years, Uh, 3.57 in 2015, and uh, 3.68 in 2016, 3.14 in 2017. So there's no reason why that ERA ballooned to what it did. I think it just got really, really unlucky. But with that being said, I really like Lance McCullers coming into this year. I think that he flourishes this year. I think he has a career year. That ERA is going to drop. The fly ball rate is going to continue to stay low. He's going to continue to be below average in hard hit rate and above average in soft hit rate. Um, Lance McCullough is somebody that I'm buying heavy and often to start the year. Uh, so long as he stays healthy, I can see him having some of the best numbers in the league and being a top five pitcher with what he can produce. He's basically Dallas Kitchell with strikeout upside. So, um, yeah, he's a little bit worse against righties. Yeah, he has a little bit of a home run problem brewing, um, even though he has great fly ball rates, I still think that he's going to have above-average home run for fly ball rates. So if you're stacking a team that can dig out from underneath the ball and induce fly ball rates at a high rate, I think the Lantern colors is going to have some issues. But overall, I think it's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be a top-five pitcher in the league this year, and I think he's really, really going to solidify this Houston Astros rotation as Verlander goes on his decline. So that's all the pitchers that I have to talk about for the Houston Astros. Uh, overall verdict verdict for me, there's some question marks. I don't like Justin Verlander moving forward. I think that he's on his decline. I think he'll be bad next year. I don't know what to expect from Joe, Joe Musgrove. He's young. He's only had two years in the league. And I, I'm not sure how it's going to translate. I'm not sure where his career arc is going to go. Even though he can be a solid guy, I want to see the home run numbers drop. Dallas Kitchell, I think, comes back from a kind of down second half of the season and produces very, very well with a good floor. And I think that Garrett Cole is a fantastic pickup. Uh, Charlie Morton, if he goes into the bullpen, I like him a lot more, but if he's a starting rotation pitcher, I do think that he starts to fall back a little bit, just as Justin Verlander does. Um, all of this in mind, I do think they have another chance to go deep into the playoffs, maybe a World Series run with this group, as long as they monitor Justin Verlander. This this is going to be another dominant group. There's a lot of upside here. Uh, the batter's fantastic. I I think that we're looking at another team that's going to be in the playoffs for the next... Um, three to four years, depending on who they can keep and what their cap situations are. So that's going to be it for this version of the podcast. It's a b- little bit longer one because I had eight pitchers to go through for the Houston Astros, but I hope you all enjoyed listening. I love doing this. It was out a little bit later than I wanted it to be. If you all have any questions, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS. I'm always willing to answer questions. I'm excited for the baseball season to come along. And you can always find my work and the best DFS work in the industry over at Daily Roto. I have articles we- bi weekly uh, every two weeks. So come say hi, come join up, come join the Slack. Uh, it's going to be a great season for DFS and a great year overall. Thank you for listening.